This is the Private Capital Talent Series, Fund Operations, and uh, Where Workflow Innovation Goes to Die, that very provocative uh, title, uh, which we'll get into. And uh, we have uh, Stephen Boydston from MUFG, Richard Change, here at PFA. And uh, before we kick off, I'm going to read the following. Uh, the views we're expressing today are solely our own and should not be attributed to uh, PFA Solutions or MEFG Investor Services or its affiliates. And our presentation is solely for educational purposes and does not constitute any form of professional advice. All right. Uh, Stephen, you are our um, special guest. Uh, I said I'd probably hop over the intro because we have so much to, um, to discuss. Um, do you mind opening us up and talking about MUFG and, and, and what you're doing. Sure, uh, thank you. Um, so um, I've been uh, working with MUFG um, since uh, 2019. Uh, I was their chief technology officer for a bit. Um, and uh, the 2021, I, I took over the business. Um, I focus on uh, the private equity, real estate, private debt, um, fund administration in the U.S. for MEFG Investor Services. Uh, so we, we've, uh, we're in the U.S. focused on, on uh, those industries uh, growing, like uh, most people are in the fund admin business, uh, serving our clients for, we've been doing this now um, for, uh, I want to say as MEFG for 16 years, but the, the business itself has been around since 2000. I actually had a, a, a run here when we first started up. So I've been in the industry for uh, uh, 23 years, uh, working in technology primarily uh, with a lot of great companies and stuff. So I've, uh, I've, I'm very opinionated about the technology space having grown up here uh, and love to share, share my thoughts with uh, folks like yourself and Richard. Going off script for a moment, uh, the two of you know each other from a previous life or what was um, we uh, we actually did work together. Uh, we knew each other. The industry's small. Everybody kind of runs into each other a bit. And Richard was, uh, I was uh, working at TPG. And uh, Richard came in and did a fabulous job with uh, with me as uh, we built out uh, their platform. So that's that's how we got to know each other. And then uh, we suffer each other now but from here on out. <laughs> Fantastic. And then, um, to, so what is MUFG seeing in the market uh, currently, and and how are you how are you um, specifically responding? So I think it's a it's a it's an interesting question. The market, you know, when you look at the overall market, and we, you know, it, to strike it, kind of go back a little bit. There was a webcast that that went on where we hosted with three industry leaders, and some of their remarks uh, were were really spot on. There's a lot of uncertainty uh, in the market um, right now. Um, and as that uncertainty happens, there um, people are focusing on how to become more effective, uh, focusing on their back office, just their operations in general. Um, and uh, the other thing is kind of looking around corners. Um, you know, where is it going? How's it going to go? Because they're going to, you know, private equity these these times are one of opportunity. Um, they're not they're not ones of terror or, or is it is it going to fall out from under us? But because the market's not responding exactly kind of like it is, everybody's kind of this wait and see. And so this one's been a little more pronounced, but again, this is private equities, um, you know, uh, wheelhouse. So uh, it, everybody's kind of excited about what's gonna happen next. So in terms of that um, scenario planning, and I, I, I know the, um, 
the previous webcast you mean. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember one of the participants talking about this is a vital time for a lot of scenario planning. Uh, a lot of scenario planning is done on spreadsheets. What's your philosophy on uh, spreadsheets and how it relates to uh, your approach to helping clients? You know, I think I think spreadsheets are, um, you know, really starting out with uh, with the uh, with spreadsheets in, in general. I think technology in general uh, in our industry is very interesting and spreadsheets are kind of a um, an answer uh, to that that challenge of our industry itself. Um, I think the private equity industry has been established for a while, but it's it's still a very small industry, small smaller number of players. Um, and so the the vendors that that come into the industry, um, the the big enterprise vendors that that dominate public markets and whatnot, um, you know, when when SAP sells something, they, they sell it four hundred fifty thousand times. When some of our vendors sell it, the market leaders, the big ones, sell it maybe three fifty. 800 to tops. So it, the, 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 the deals that you have to strike to work with those things um, are, it's, it's a much different, um, different thing. We're, we're looking at tools, but always those tools need to be adapted and worked through. Nobody has the same installation. Um, it's not configuration. It's a lot of customization. And I, I think that, that one of the things that, that you see in that is spreadsheets have a, have a tendency to be the go-to when that system doesn't, you know, adapt uh, correctly or or, or um, appropriately to the the industry that changes so much. Yeah, and I'll second that too. I mean, I think you can't read Microsoft Excel from an analytical tool. Um, everybody knows it. It can do exactly what you need to do, and there's all sorts of functionality always coming in with Microsoft Excel. And so, as an analytical tool, it, it, it's unbeatable. But when you start to take that Excel spreadsheet and also make it your data source for, you know, whether it's your schedule of investments or even some accounting transactions, that's where it starts to lose its scale, right? Because you have one version of that file that sometimes gets manipulated by this person or that department or that group. And so what we truly sort of pride ourselves on at PFA Solution is removing Excel from a data source mechanism. It's still a great analytical tool. Everything within our platform, you can export to Excel. Um, and so we want to make sure that that's really sort of first and foremost, taking Excel away from being the data source of information and then leveraging Excel again for an analytical tool that it's meant to be. If I can stick with that for a second. Um, and I remember in early days when we were talking about this conversation, uh, somebody who I don't know if they're in the audience was pointing out that the spreadsheet debate's a little bit uh, dead and overused, but I think it's important to kind of get the framework um, together for what we want to talk about. Um, are you saying, Stephen, that um, the private capital software market or the private markets um, market is so small that it's difficult to make software that can be as flexible as those firms need? And so it's hard to beat the spreadsheet or Excel for its flexibility? Yeah, I think flexibility is there. It's an individual tool. I think um, that that's a, a real important thing when when we talk about when you talk about tooling, it's an individual tool. It's very simple. You can do complex things in it individually. And that's where its utility kind of runs out. And that's where you need systems. I, I think the other thing about that is, is there's the whole industry is moving, Excel's moving, but the whole industry is moving and, and there's a lot of um 
a lot of uh, different innovations that are happening in the industry um, that, uh, you know, in the private markets are kind of slow to adopt, but they will have an impact. And, and you see it, everybody, everybody that I know is working hard on those. But like, for instance, um, uh, artificial intelligence, you know, the, the first passes of that were about how do I get documents picked off the web to provide to my client, uh, things like that. Now you're looking at, you know, chat GPT and large language models to do it. And, and both of those are, are challenges because our data sets are so small and infrequent uh, in the industry. I, I, do, I do think that they're, they're, they are keep working on it and will have an impact. So it's important to start having that systematic mindset to be able to take advantage of those things. But, but to say, I'm going to go out tomorrow and I'm a, you know, I'm a back office of a, a private equity shop and I'm going to put in AI and we're going to have all this great, um, great efficiencies is, is a misnomer, I think, at this stage. I, I think of them as very valuable tools, however. Um, our, our folks and our people are, are still our driving engines there, will be for the foreseeable future as we keep up with the industry. But, um, but having, having those as a, a tool that enables scaling and enables pro productivity is there. One, one example of that uh, that we've been playing around with is we know we deal with a large limited uh, LPAs at each one of the, the clients that we serve. Well, wouldn't it be nice if you had a chat GPT that learned all your LPAs and while you're working on something, a particular trying uh, accounting transaction, you can ask it a question. Hey, does the LPA allow for this sort of uh, transaction? Um, you start thinking about those things as tools and all of a sudden now your projects change from one of scale and mass production and everything to one of intelligence and, and uh, uh, learning. So I think those work, work really well uh, in the future of this. Uh, RPA is the same when you're dealing at the scale we are. Um, you know, we're not going to put a team of robots where one accountant can go out to the portal and do it. It's annoying, but it's not cost effective to kind of train a robot to do it because uh, of the scale. Um, I think foundationally, and, and Richard and I have talked about this for years, is one of the things that, that I'm interesting just in the technology space that I think is going to change us quite a bit is blockchain, a distributed ledger. I mean, I, I think it'll hit in the public market, but private markets is what people are trying to, uh, you know, get at and unlock value there. Um, and I think the uh, real estate uh, has done a, a fair job of tokenizing uh, hard assets, but um, I think it's going to open up the market for for um, the ability to uh, uh, assign value, private value that's been locked away for years, uh, and to be able to uh, tokenize it, so you're able to exchange that value, um, and then that will in turn uh, democratize, if you will, the private markets. Uh, you know, we're always trying to get to the high net worths, but um, our models and stuff make that very difficult to do. And I think eventually uh, we'll run that direction. And so I'm interested to see where that technology goes uh, and where really in MUG side, where our clients take us. And we want to be there when they're when they're ready to take that journey uh, as uh, as many of them are. So, oh, go ahead, Richard. No, I was saying just to Stephen's point, you know, I mean, I think there's no secret private equity has been looking to go down market for a long time. Right. And so to attract, you know, more of the retail investor type crowd and so the tokenization of a particular fund via distributed ledger gives a better opportunity to do that. And so we're starting to see clients really sort of think about that. 
large GPs have made, you know, waves right now. They're starting to do that. I think AR did a piece of their healthcare fund as a tokenized uh, distributed ledger. And so we're going to see more of that. Um, I, I do think, you know, to Stephen's point, you know, that is a way to really sort of, you know, go down market, open private equity up a bit. And that's going to have a huge impact on the back office. So from an operational standpoint, um, I think there are opportunities there too that vendors will have to be prepared to help, you know, provide that scale, that accountability, and that audit trail to make sure operations are still consistent. And then I, well, I'll add to that, and just also looking at our industry, uh, one of the, the distinguishing characteristics of our industry is that it's very decentralized. Each, each private equity house deals with their clients. And I think that decentralization is part of their value. Um, they, they, our clients feel like they're, they do the best at that. And uh, pushing that into the public market, you have this tendency to go towards beta. And uh, I think decentralization and the peer-to-peer -peer relationship the distributed ledger will afford our clients um, will take hold. But as soon as I say that, I recognize that they still have a long way to go to get to these markets. Um, if you think about the drawdown structure of most of the private equity funds, that allows them to pull down capital deploy it at the at the speed of capital and then you know return it at the speed of delivery that sort of activity um everything i've seen even the tokenizations um in the market today they're really fully funded so how will tokenization uh, you know handle the drawdown and i've seen uh different um uh, trading platforms try to accomplish that but uh, each time it's like a sketch of how it really works and you're wondering behind the scenes, you know, how does the partnership transfers happen? What does the LPAs allow for? Um, how does the size of the fund or the participants of the fund uh, matter? There's a lot of regulatory hurdles and things to get over, but more importantly for our clients, it's look, that's our value add is, is doing that quack, quick. And alpha uh, takes a lot of creativity and stuff. And so if you put them in a box, you're gonna be sacrificing that uh, to some degree, uh, out in the out in the market. Um, there is a Q and A uh, button, and a lot of different threads were just uh, opened up. Um, so anybody that wants uh, us to go down, um, or 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 Stephen or Richard to go down a particular thread, uh, let us know via the Q and A. Um, I want to come back to workflows, spreadsheets, and systems, but before I do. Um, Richard, um, on distributed ledger and blockchain and drawdowns, um, and I'm thinking more of, you know, carrying comp, which is a PFA concentration of expertise. Uh, do you have any thoughts on blockchain and distributed ledger and how that might run into the carrying comp world or maybe not? I'm just opening that further. Yeah, no, we, we've been having discussions with clients um, as well too, to sort of think about that. Um, and, you know, it could have potentially an impact. Um, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, as an employee of a firm, if I'm looking for liquidity, um, when I look to leave that firm, how do I achieve that? You know, and sometimes I still would have an existing relationship with that firm because I'm receiving a K-1 every every particular year um, because I still have a vested interest, uh, you know, whatever assets that I had when I was there. And so, you know, being able to potentially sever that in a more, I would say, in an easily, uh, more easier, easier manner. It's something that our firms are looking to do as well, too, because now there's one less maintenance 
you know, uh, vertical that they have to focus on for that particular person uh, that's no longer there with that firm. And so it's something that clients are thinking about, you know, how can they do this? Um, and then how can they also scale with that particular concept? Yeah, I was, I, and Richard and I have talked about this before. Think about the, the, the compensation schemes that, that his software goes to manager. They're, they're very, very internal, very private to the, the different firms and very, very complex. And um, But think about it. Those firms are just trying to compensate their employees with shares and of the, of the, the deals they're on, et cetera. Wouldn't that be awesome if they had an internal uh, exchange for those employees that they could manage and treat it more like an equity plan, a traditional equity plan, than what we have today, which is uh, very hard to manage, very difficult to manage. Um, those, those keeping those employees happy uh, at those firms is critical. So I, I actually like that as a use case for exploring tokenization. It's really internal. You can explore it. It's dealing with your money, but it's not public. And I think the public aspects of it, there's still a lot of legislation that has to happen, especially in the U.S to make that real, real, but I think the internal um, operations, uh, simplifying those uh, and compensating your employees, working with a, a firm like PFA, doing that, I, I think is a, uh, an amazing, it would be an amazing evolution for the whole practice uh, of compensation internally. And I think Perfect. they're recognizing that trade-off, Stephen, too. So, you know, the trade-off is that, okay, well, if they can exit quickly, you know, from the firm, well, there's less of a handcuff or incentive to stay. And so, but at the same time, the trade-off of being able to, you know, jettison and managing a partner that's no longer with the firm after X number of years, that's a big win. That's a huge win. And so I think, you know, that trade-off is starting to, you know, look different now as people are starting to think about all the effort and energy it goes to continuously manage, you know, uh, you know, the activities, you know, someone who's no longer there for sure. Yep. Restricted stock units. We all had them right at one time. So it just restricted tokens, you know, it, it, there's a lot of ways to do it. I, I think it's a, but I think it's a great evolution. It's where it's why I said kind of at the beginning where I started going down the, the, the distributed ledger rabbit hole, which I love to go down. Um, it's um, it really is found. It's going to be have some foundational changes to the market, and I think it's an exciting time for technology there. But uh, back to the original topic, uh, these aren't spreadsheets anymore. <laughs> you know. Well, so that's I want to. And there's a question on um, blockchain. I want to come back to. Um, I feel like in this discussion we've had up until this um, point. We've got you know spreadsheets that seem like they're from the past, but they never go away. And then we have these new systems that are going to descend upon us and free us, you know, from spreadsheets, but they never seem to quite get there. So there always seems to be a sort of gap in which we live, you know, today. And it's very much still a spreadsheet um, world. Um, so, um, Stephen, um, can you? share with us if we're talking about distributed ledger we're talking about automation or rpa how do you approach it in terms i think i think you've said it's not spreadsheets uh necessarily to blame for when things fall apart as a system can you talk more about culture and systems yeah no i think i think and both go hand in hand right so what richard talked about was uh, Excel being like a data set that everybody's trying to use and everybody's been there we, we've all had that horrible spreadsheet in the corner call it the beast that that nobody wants to touch and everybody wonders who built it and what what planet they were from 
um, I think the 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 interesting thing about that is is that a spreadsheet takes a small uh, a simple behavior and allows complex. So so when uh, when your client or when your firm decides to try something, that's the whiteboard in which people operate. And the problem is the speed of what we operate within as humans. A lot of times that whiteboard is what you're using when you first come to operate. You know, I've worked way in the past where I've set up private equity firms. They say, what accounting system I get? I go, Excel. And they said, oh my gosh, that's terrible. We came for you for advice. And I said, I'm giving you real advice here. You got to <laughs> figure this out uh, before you start putting in these systems. Uh, putting in a system, what we usually get is about the, I don't know, the third fund that you start going, this is out of control. And, and so you start trying to look for systems. Uh, but by that point in time, you're, you've now got three years of track record and you're moving it in. Um, I think also what happens with Excel from a cultural standpoint, because uh, I do think that's important. In, in, a, in a team environment, I mean, this is a team sport. Behind In the back office is a team sport. Everybody's playing a part. And the more you can get a couple people around a problem, the better you're going to uh, be able to achieve success there. So what the cultural aspect of Excel is it takes it out of being a team sport. I see it all the time. You, you go into a place and you got these five great accounts that together they could conquer the world. But then you start scratching the surface and underneath it, they're all working on spreadsheets that are different. So they can't work anything together. That's not how I do it. That's not how I do it. So that sort of thing there, I think organizing around a system forces you into a cultural norm of a shared responsibility for something. And, and that cultural norm really, really plays well at, in times of change, going back to that webcast where, where you're trying to get a forecast out. Everybody being on the uh, on the the same page around that stuff is critical. Or uh, to PFA, you know that the idea of flowing up all of the compensation, uh, the very complex stuff, uh, into the hands of of the partners to make decisions. There, if it's spreadsheets, you don't want to be on that one that gets missed or was locked or or somebody hit it. Um, you want to you want to actually be out in front and see what your data is about. I want to come to these these two questions, but before I do, we have two questions now in the Q and A queue. Um, uh, Stephen and Richard, just so if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, Excel is is excellent and will continue to be with us as you know the 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 end of the evolutionary chain in terms of a whiteboard. Um, and then it's a question of how do you take what you've learned, if I'm hearing correctly, in the spreadsheet and shift it over to a system. And then we, we, we talked about blockchain as a particular destination and among other technology destinations. So if we stick a little bit longer with that system, is there any advice that you would share? So if, if I am a GP uh, and I'm thinking about making sure my organization is in a position to take advantage of distributed ledger technology, um, is there something I can do between Excel and the distributed ledger technology to make sure I have the systems in place to be able to receive whatever benefits or advanced benefits within the industry? Yeah, I, have, I mean, I think, and, and Richard, if you're going to try me on, I, one, of the, one of the things that you have to do is you do have to go in between that. I mean, let's, let's demystify what blockchain is. It's a database. That's all it is. It's a database. It's just very secure and it's distributed. 
Um, and so you can do lots of amazing things. It's actually quite inefficient, but it's very, very good with holding value because you can't break it. So the first thing you want to do is get into a system. So for instance, in 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 um, in Richard's case and stuff, where, where he's gathering up data to make compensation decisions and stuff, that's the first step. Now, now that people are ready to say, hey, let's take this subset, this thing at the end of the line, and let's write it to a chain. And then hopefully that chain can be distributed down the line if you want to um, you know, uh, provide liquidity. And that chain can you know, cross chain and, and get to another chain to be able to provide liquidity and get the cash back to the employee's hands. I, I think that it starts with the migration to a more uh, centralized uh, way to manage and constrain your data, because then it's gonna take another journey down to a, uh, a more robust form of that and a more narrow form of that in the blockchain. Um, so I think that that journey is, is uh, kind of, it's an evolution which you're gonna come to when um, your centralized data is there. I also wanna add that the, Excel itself is, is becoming a lot more enabled. Microsoft's doing a great uh, amount of work with that. They're doing a lot of workflows with it. They, they have uh, AI enabled stuff in that. It's still gonna be an individual activity, but you can bridge that into systems too. The good systems all can pull in Excel and export Excel. It's very important. Uh, in accounting systems today, if you don't use that, you, you really don't have a good work work paper at the end of it. Um, so I, I think that that there there's a there's a there's an evolution that goes on um, that starts with first uh, you know getting into the system and getting the skill set in which to understand uh, the data better. Yeah, and I think you know saying what Stephen said a different way, it's conforming. Right. So you're going to have to do some sort of conforming of your data uh, and your processes. Every single firm that we've worked with, we go through a process to sort of confirm their data, standardize, normalize everything into sort of a canonical model of what their world looks like. And then the last step that I, we always sort of advise our clients, OK, well, what are the exceptions? There's always exceptions. Right. And so. Finding that you know particular person who knows where the bodies are buried as far as this exception and why this exception exists and how we cannot codify that exception. Those are the main steps you know to moving forward. And so it's really sort of conforming your data across the different assets that you may manage, but then also looking step two, figuring out the exceptions to those to those rules that you're now going to create. Perfect. Um, so on the two questions, I'm going to tell you what the First one is, and then we'll come back to it. Um, do we need a new word for blockchain and tokens? Many are, many in our industry uh, see it confusing as it's tied to crypto. But before you answer, I'm going to ask you the second question, then I'll come back to you. This is like, if anybody knows my word, my music from BBC. Um, okay. Um, so I mean, coming to that point about transparency and, tran um, and, and standardization, uh, one um, participant asked, what are your thoughts on PE transparency and standardizing PE data exchange, the proliferation of Excel is largely due to GP resistance on full transparency. And boy, there's nothing more, you know, careful that one has to care and one has to take and carry in comp. But yeah, that's a that's been a question since I've been in the industry, right? It's like we started with XBRL 
And the big, big thing there. And then we went to there. We got Ilpad. We got um, there was other. There's been tons of efforts, right? Industry. What, what, what does that tell you about our industry? They don't want to standardize. <laughs> and, and you know the 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 funny thing is they'll standardize for whatever that guy given four hundred million to them wants. I, I mean the the standardization thing is it's it was great and it's why public markets can innovate and do different things and derivatives and stuff like this. But but the reality is the standardization is conformity to a to a degree. I use your word conformity. I hope we use it right. But it's standardization is conformity to agree that it might take the ability to move and change out of it. Um, I, I, I'll go back to looking at LPAs, how they're written today, a very, very free form ability. And the LPs want that because that's how they make alpha. If if a, a change happens in the industry, they can adapt to it without being stuck to some things. So I've always said, and will continue to say until the government forces us to report into transparent, you know, into Edgar, you're not going to get uh, industry-wide uh, transparency. I think it's, or uh, standardization. But I also don't think standardization today and with technology as today is that, is all that important to get what we need out of the data as well. So. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. And we've participated in a, a good number of efforts. Um, so Alt Exchange, and now we're, we're working with PCDS as well, Private Capital Data Standards. And so, you know, I, I do think there's a need for it. I totally agree, full transparency. But the thing is, it's more of a chicken and the egg problem, right? And so, you know, I think LPs want the standardization and GPs are looking for LPs they can provide standardization to. And so on the other side, what we realize is that, sure, we can take someone's capital account statement, convert it to XML, JSON, whatever have you, and shoot it over to them. But now that LP has a digit, digital form of their capital account statement, do they have a system on their side that can actually consume that information and do something with it? And so to me, I think, you know, it's a problem in the industry for sure that, you know, can and most likely will be addressed. But I think to Stephen's point as well, I think top-down pressure, you know, regulation will help drive that adoption as well too. But right now it's it's typically, to, to Stephen's point too, the the squeaky wheel gets oil. So if I have an LP that's looking for, you know, an output in a particular template and I need to send that to them every quarter, that's what's happening right now. And so and I think GPs are, you know, at some point we'll get fed up with the different variations of templates that they have to subscribe to and produce every quarter. Um, but until that happens, uh, you know, I think we're, we're kind of stuck in the stalemate. Honestly. All right, lightning round, um, a little bit over, what is, your new word to replace blockchain um, or tokens? Oh, you both had a few. Yeah. I, I am trying to think of um, what would I replace blockchain and tokens with? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it needs replacing. <laughs> All right. yeah, we typically refer to it as a distributed ledger. Yeah, it's distributed uh, like blockchains, right? And so I think that's one thing that kind of separates from the blockchain and you sort of get down that crypto rabbit hole. I get where yeah. you're coming from, but you know, at the end of the day, Steven is correct. It's a database, right? Uh, it's an immutable database that's distributed. And so distributed ledger is something that, you know, that's how we typically will refer to it. Tokenization, yeah. I think it's, I don't know if we need a replacement for that because that's in essence what we're doing, right? And so maybe, you know, someone I'm sure smarter will come up with something a little bit better, but, you know, fundamentally that that's what we're trying to do. Tokenize. But, 
the the interesting thing about that the industry of distributed ledger uh, that are out there there are many of them and one of the things that 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 you know been involved with the industry a bit is don't worry about picking the right one this is not system selection you you got private blockchains or whatever this is the 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 start of an industry that will remain decentralized for some time the, the main thing in, in what people are saying now is get out there, do something with it. Um, not Don't wait on the standardization shakeup uh, because it's not going to happen anytime soon. This is a fundamental change uh, and it's based on peer-to-peer -peer stuff. So uh, that means a peer, Richard and I could come up with our own blockchain and talk back and forth with it. But um, the, the, the point now is uh, whatever we do call it, some, you know, they, they actually have brand names. Um, you know, be, pay attention to it, uh, be aware of it because it's happening a lot faster than, uh, than, um, than we, we get at this point. There's so much more to discuss, uh, as expected, um, conversation went by way too, uh, quickly. <laughs> um, thank you both very, very much. And I uh, thank you everybody, uh, who, uh, who joined and stuck with us much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Take care.